The next reading comes from Isaiah chapter 52, starting at verse 13 and through to the end of chapter 53. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering, his offspring, and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge, and my righteous judgment Sorry, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The second reading picks up where Lindsay left off in Luke, in Luke chapter 23, verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, 
They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done no wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Thank you, Kate. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, as we remember again this Good Friday, your act of sacrifice on our behalf, help us not to become so familiar that we forget its importance to us as those who seek to follow you and its importance for those who do not yet know of your sacrifice and what that means. Give to us heartfelt insight into what you have done and what you continue to do by your spirit. So today we so that today we leave changed by you, continue to grow into a deeper understanding of your work for us, both for today, rest of our lives, and into eternity. So be with us, we pray. Strengthen us to understand. Give us wills that are aligned to yours, hearts that are warmed by your love and your sacrifice. We ask this in your name. Amen. However you look at it, it was a dark scene, that first Good Friday. As you read of those who watched and those who left beating their breasts, no one would have left the hill of execution on that day, a place of a gruesome, with the gruesome name of the skull, calling that day good. And I often wonder about those who, uh, as our 
society has a day off. Leanne and I commented about the places that are shut on Good Friday, or the notice that footy is now on, didn't used to be, and there's a big debate about that. But our society still is allowing space for at least rest, it seems, more than many other days. And our society recognises that this day is different and special, but I don't think people understand why it's Good Friday. But we do. On that day, that first day, the just one suffers unjustly. The righteous one dies amidst the unrighteous. The holy one suffers the worst of indignities of human flesh. The people gathered on the hill of Calvary that day had been possibly, some of them, at the trial earlier. If they'd seen that, they would have heard the injustice of the punishment. And some of them, maybe, even who had a sense of justice and rightness, would have been embarrassed by the abject failure of both their religious and their secular leaders. They had an opportunity to let the, the guiltless man go free, but the crowd, whipped up by others, chose Barabbas, a murderer. And some, as we see, would also have cheered that a perverter of the people who led them away from what they saw as the true faith was getting his just deserts. There are numbers of people in this, on this morbid kind of stage. Um, it, it, I must say, this account of Luke, it tells you that there was eyewitnesses there. The whole way that the story is told, the numbers of people that are there, the reference to what people said tells you people saw this happen. This is a true historical account. The Jewish leaders were happy to see him go. They mocked. It says the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered. Even sneered. The writer's saying that it seems incredible that when Jesus is so clearly defeated, so clearly destroyed in human terms, as he hung there in agony in a designed slow torture, naked so he would be embarrassed and shamed even up to the point of his death, still they gain some perverted pleasure to fill up his ears with taunts. The Roman soldiers mock him and laugh at another Jewish pretender who hoped to be a king, another failed Messiah, of which there have been many before for the Jewish people. It's only Caesar, you know, they're saying. Take on him and this is what happens to you. The charge against him above his head says the same thing. The king of the Jews, someone who pretended to be or hoped to be the king of the Jews, see what happens. And the soldiers, the impression is really they just go about their job like soldiers do, putting this man to death like they've done numbers of times before. Opportunity to laugh and sneer and use their power in a way that they felt comfortable with and made them feel good. But they don't realise Jesus is the king of all, not just some, not ruler of some tin pot show called the, em the Empire of Rome, only lasts for a little while. This Jesus is the king of the universe. But as they taunt him, come, amidst the taunting, there comes, uh, amidst that ridicule, from the lips of Jesus, extraordinary words. Father, forgive them. 
for they know what, not what they do. They, don't, they know they're executing him, they know they're crucifying him, but they don't know who he is, really. And Jesus calls on his heavenly Father, who he's walked with closely the whole of his earthly life, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Could you say such things? Could you pray such things? I think I'd yell, you'll get your just desserts, you know. Just wait until you find out the truth. Just you wait. Because Jesus in his teaching has set the bar high in terms of forgiving. Forgiving friends is hard enough. Forgiving enemies, impossible. But before hanging on a cross, Jesus has set this new standard, replicated nowhere else in earth's religions. Love your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for them who persecute you. This isn't just great philosophy. Jesus walks the talk. He lives and dies amidst the truth of his own words. So can you say such words as Jesus said? I think this is part of the challenge of this part of Good Friday, this particular account as it's presented here. Jesus has said that we should forgive even our enemies and here he prays that prayer and it calls on us who believe in this Jesus and who've been transformed by his own forgiveness to do the same. To have the cross of Christ change the way we think and behave about forgiving our friends and our enemies, even those who might hate us, even those who might mock us, even those who would rather see us destroyed. The power of Jesus' death at Easter is to fundamentally change our view of relationships. It isn't just about friendship. It's about reconciliation with enemies. It isn't about indifference. So what? It's pretty hard to be indifferent to what the implications are here for us and for the world. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Praying for people, praying God's blessing and God's purpose because we know what God's purpose is, because we see it here on the cross. The purpose is uh, for the people who we bump into, into the street, in our shopping, in our work life, in our leisure life, in our family life. We know what God's purpose is for them, that they come to know the power of that forgiveness and what Jesus made possible on the cross. We need to learn how to pray, Father, forgive them because Jesus died for them. Father, forgive them so they can spend eternity with you. We need to want that to be the case even for our enemies. That might be a prayer we pray sometimes, if we're honest, through gritted teeth. Because it doesn't come naturally to us. Of course, the prayer, the prayer we, I hope we've prayed is, Father, forgive me so I can live your life today and for eternity. I want to turn now to the thieves on the cross. The way a person dies says something about their character. Often as they live, so they die. We see this in Jesus. 
I used to be um, Anglican chaplain to Mary Potter Hospice and had the privilege of being with people as they travelled their last days to their death and with their families as well. I visited a man once who was um, within days of dying, but he was waiting for his son to come back overseas. And somehow, beyond the expectations of doctors and nurses, he held on tenaciously until his son returned. He held on to life. And as I talked with him, the reason he was doing this was so he could be reconciled with his son before he died. So there could be reconciliation and forgiveness between them before he took his last breath. And he hung on. They were reconciled, and then he died. Another man I remember meeting, um, he was quite a character, really. He was a laconic, sort of, you know, knockabout kind of guy. Um, uh, he gave his ex-wife, who'd been divorced from for a number of years, his ATM card and his PIN number. Uh, to take some money out of the bank before he died because he knew it would get caught up in his estate once he was gone. And he said to me, I think I can say this to you guys, I've been a real bastard and it's my way of saying sorry. I thought, was that great? But not everyone has a Hollywood ending, I might say. Some died bitter, sad and sometimes lonely, angry with the world holding on to their hurts, dying emotionally painful, uh, lonely deaths. There are two criminals ex um, executed with Jesus, and the prophet Isaiah, as we heard read to us from Isaiah 53, picks up a number of the elements of what happens in Jesus' crucifixion. So many years before, these prophecies about him, it says he was assigned a grave with the wicked. This is kind of like, uh, really, they were assigned together, these three criminals to be executed. There's no difference between them, is there? but there is, we know. It says, And with the rich in his death, though he done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, speaking of, in the end, Jesus. One criminal on the cross, um, full of anger and hate, throws abuse at Jesus' claims of divinity. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. He doesn't believe it. But he throws it at him. But in a section that is unique to Luke's gospel, the other criminal, coming to a point of self-awareness too late to save himself from a Roman cross, but rebukes the other one and now expresses clearly what has happened. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same judgment, under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. This seems Almost at that point, right for us, he says. But this man has done nothing wrong. He'd done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here is the great and powerful statement of faith, forged in desperation, maybe, Focused somehow through excruciating pain, through he turns his face towards the whipped, bloodied and beaten body of Jesus. He turns to see a man who looks the most forlorn, weak and pathetic character the world has seen, a man as helpless as he, pinned by three nails to a Roman version of an electric chair and says, 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a statement of faith, of belief, of trust. Here is throwing yourself onto the mercy of God in your last hour, knowing you don't deserve it. And you do have to wonder why he did it. In the other Gospels, this isn't mentioned. We don't know whether he'd heard Jesus speak or heal before, whether he'd seen the miracles or marveled at his connection with his Father in heaven. But we do know that he heard the words of Jesus on the cross, saw the manner of his dying, saw his attitude towards his enemies, and heard his words and prayer of forgiveness. Whatever it is, at this final point in this man's life, when the world had rejected and scorned him as insignificant, worthless, and deserving of punishment, we also hear Jesus' reply of true comfort to this dying, broken man. I tell you the truth. I tell you truly, today, you will be with me in paradise. The Greek word for paradise here is the same as the word for the Garden of, Garden of Eden. And Jesus is reminding him, us, of the union and harmony between God and creation and humanity at that time and that time will come again through what is happening right there on that cross. And of course we all are that dying man on the cross. We are all on the way to death, whether we like it or not, whether we don't understand our mortality and frailty of our life, yet we will at some point. And scripture tells us that we are under God's judgment. Um, we are dead in our transgressions and sins, Ephesians tells us. Um, and the cross reminds us of the power of God's work in Christ. Jesus dies the death we deserve. The punishment is laid on him. He takes God's wrath, God's righteous judgment and punishment for us. Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 say, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved. If I can put it this way, the wonderful thing about that criminal on the cross is he is the example of grace. He can do no good works. He can't go to church. He can't be baptised. He can't take communion. He can't give money to the poor. He can't do any penance. He can do nothing except recognise who Jesus is as the Son of God and throw himself on God's mercy. By grace, you have been saved. So Jesus dies in the place of the criminal Barabbas. He dies for the jeering crowd around him. He dies for Simon of Cyrene, who carried his cross, for the friends and family weeping at the scene. He dies for the soldiers who mock him, not knowing he is Lord. He dies for the criminals that hang there facing the same fate. And he dies for us. Can I encourage you, if you have not yet embraced Christ, that you call upon him and say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we call this Friday good because we know what happens on Easter Day. 
that the resurrection brings us that joy of knowledge that Jesus has conquered death, has conquered sin, has conquered our failures, can resolve our brokenness. He has remembered us like he remembered that criminal who cried out for mercy. As he dies on the cross, he dies for you, he dies for me. He has come into his kingdom. And from the very first day that we entrust ourselves to him with the words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he has indeed given us that place in his kingdom for an eternal future is ours through him. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your work on the cross for us. We thank you that you remembered that criminal who threw himself on your mercy and you remember us. We thank you that you forgave those who persecuted and jeered at you and you also forgive us. Help us to forgive others like you have done your work in us. Continue to work in us and give us that joy of this Good Friday. Thank you for remembering us. Amen.